0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit filled lives through God's Word.
1: I love the story of Joseph, but I can't identify with him. Because the closest thing you can come to anything Joseph ever did wrong was telling his brothers and his mother and father about his visions. Well, how do you relate to a guy that that's it? You just see god taking from difficult situation to prosperity to to promotion and so forth i have a harder time relating to joseph than i do to david david i understand and the reason i understand is because i understand and see the truth of his failures joseph not so much well paul would be in that same category because if he didn't tell us about the difficulties that he had with his Christian life, then we would just have to assume that once Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, revealed himself to him, and received his sight three days later, and was filled with the Holy Ghost, that everything was stray into the blessing of God from that point without any difficulty. But he tells us in the book of Romans about his own struggles. Now he tells us some things that we know. Verse uh, Chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, he's talking about Adam's sin, and uh, how that caused spiritual death to pass upon all men. For if by one man's offense, or since by one man's offense, that's what the word if here means. There are four different words in the um, Greek language that are translated if. The first one is uh, literally the word since, so the meaning is since, and that's the one that's used here. Since one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life notice the connection between authority and righteousness shall reign in life by one's christ jesus shall reign in life now this is an interesting thing because it tells us that there's something about grace and righteousness that gives us authority well if that's true and we know it is then the church operating in a lack of authority or a low level of authority would mean that there's something about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we haven't yet taken hold of. Now somebody identified uh, grace as this, illustrated grace as this. Suppose you were in a hurry, had somewhere that you had to be or trying to get there on time, and as a result you were driving 55 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour zone you're pulled over, the cop gives you a ticket, and you have to go to court. When you go to court, the judge here's the evidence, here's the policeman's report, here's your side and the whole thing, slams his gavel down on the, on the bench and says, guilty. And the fine is $250. Then, it's, then the judge stands up, reaches into his own pocket, and says, here's $250, I'll pay your fine. He's judged you rightly as being in the wrong. But he paid the fine for you, he paid the price. But it doesn't stop there. The guy walks out toward his car, which is an old beat-up jalopy. The judge walks right behind him, gets to where he is, sees the car that he's driving, and says how would you like a brand new car pulls out the keys to a brand new car one that you just drove off the dealer lot from the day before puts it into the hand of the man that was guilty but whose fine was paid and provides for him a better means of transportation a brand new means of transportation for him to live his life with now let me ask you something With that illustration in mind, how stupid would it be for the guy that's now had his fine paid in a brand new car to focus on the fact that he broke the law by speeding? How stupid would it be for the guy to fall to his knees on the sidewalk and say, oh, I'm not worthy of this gift? Well, we knew that before he ever said anything how stupid would it be for him to focus on the things that he had done wrong instead of the generosity of the judge who made it all right? Yet that's the situation that most of the church world is in. They're focusing on what they did. They're focusing on what they feel about being unworthy. And folks, that's what the Bible means when it uses the word fear. It's not talking about just being afraid of something like you'd be afraid of a, uh, a scorpion or a snake or something like that. It means fear in the sense of respect, to give respect to your own wrongdoing instead of the work, finished work of Jesus. Now, with that in mind, let's read this again. Verse 17. For since by one man's offense, death reigned by one. No question, that's true. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace take the car and the gift of righteousness restored to the place of confidence and right standing before God how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life shall reign in life shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ Paul understood this folks He understood from the revelation that he received from the Holy Ghost himself directly from God, not because anybody taught him or anybody helped him along with this. These are things that he saw because of what God revealed to him. This is a part of the gospel that Paul said the whole world will be judged by. We don't have an excuse. We've got the truth. It's given to us. You don't have to walk in it, but you can't use the excuse that you didn't know. Paul understood this. Paul received this by revelation so he knew it had to be true. Skip with me down to verse 21. Let's see something else that the Holy Ghost revealed to him. He says that as sin has reigned, well back up to verse 20. We'll start with that, get a little context. He said, moreover the law entered, talking about the law of Moses. The law entered that the offense might abound. That just simply means that man would know he had no chance by doing it on his own. He could not do it on his own. He had to have somebody pay his fine and provide strength and power for his Christian walk. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more. Here's that phrase, much more again. So far greater that they really shouldn't be compared. Whereas sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin reigned unto death, even so by grace might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord? Notice grace is supposed to reign through righteousness. Now in chapter 7, Paul tells us the story of his own journey. And the 7th chapter, we won't turn over there and we won't look at the specific verses, but I trust that you know your Bible well enough to, to realize that the things that we're about to say are true. If not, read, verse, uh, read chapter 7 and see it for yourself. Paul said, I'm still struggling with my flesh. I know I've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians or 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. He says in verse 21 that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read this to you. Verse 17 again, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Paul knew that. He knew he'd been made a new creature. One translation says, a new species of being. A born again man is a new species of being. He's passed from death to life. And only through Jesus could a man do that. No one before Jesus ever did that. But because of what Jesus did, you and I have passed from death to life. We've become this new species of being. That's why Paul's journey is so important. That's why understanding what he came to understand is so critical for us. Because he said, even though I know I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, I still have trouble with my flesh. What doesn't that mean since I find myself doing things I don't want to do, the things that my heart doesn't want to do? Doesn't that therefore mean that I'm unrighteous? No. If your righteousness was of you, meaning if it was dependent on your good works, you're doing the right thing and never doing the wrong thing, Then you'd lose your righteousness every time you sinned well then what would you do this is the doctrine that i heard in the assembly of god church i don't know if it's assembly of god doctrine uh, throughout the whole denomination but the church that i went to for a while people were sinning and getting born again time after time after time after time after time according to their own understanding because if they sin then you got to get born again again because you just lost your righteousness and you got to get it back Well, what if you died in that lull period what happens to you then? It was a real issue for them. They made sure they went around confessing their sin every day because they didn't want to die without confessing their sin because in their thinking that means they wouldn't have gone to heaven. Well, how do you get born again again? How do you get born again the second time, or the third time, or the, th- the thousandth time? How do you get born again so many times? You don't. Now, they thought, and, it then, and their practice propagated this idea since they're going around confessing their sin, trying to get back in good graces with God, according to their own thinking, they're focused throughout their whole Christian life on sin, not God. And that focus on sin accelerated, propagated, added to the fact that they would sin again and again and again and again and again. Well, that's the situation Paul was in. He said I find myself doing my body I find things in my body and my flesh pulling me into doing things that I don't want to do he figured out he understood that the difference was the man on the inside didn't want to and resented and, and despised the unrighteous actions of his flesh he says what am I supposed to do with that the things that the man on the inside wants to do that my body doesn't always do And the thing that the man on the inside doesn't want to do is the stuff I see my body doing. Woe is me, he said. He even said this. He said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He recognized the sin was in his flesh, not his inner man. The inner man has been born again. He's a new creature. He's a new species of being. But it doesn't mean that you'll never have trouble with your flesh again. What does he come to understand? He comes to understand Romans 8:1. There is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ. See, folks, God knows that your flesh is weak. But the shed blood of Jesus is greater than the weakness of your flesh.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing School is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Now whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8:17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the Phi Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Paul understands to such a degree that he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 for he has made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made everybody say made that we might be made the righteousness of God in him you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus they that received the abundance of grace just like Abraham did believe God And God counted it to him for righteousness. You believe God and are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there's only one exception and it is an extreme case. Identified in Hebrews chapter 6 where a person can never lose that salvation. That righteousness. Now the devil wants to try to make you think you've gotten there and that you may have done that or at least he does with a lot of people. But folks, let me tell you something. I've been pastoring for 31 years. I was in the ministry for five years before that. After 36 years, you're going to stumble up on a few things. You don't have to be too smart to learn a little bit in 36 years. And in those 36 years, there's only one time, one situation that I can look at that might even qualify for a person losing their salvation. And it ain't you. I hesitate to even say that the, the one situation is such that a man has lost his salvation. I'll go so far as to say this, if he stays on the same track he's on, he probably will if he hasn't already. But the simple truth of the matter is that most people never mature to the place where they can lose their salvation. Because Hebrews 6 talks about a situation where somebody with their eyes wide open having experienced the maturing maturity in spirit and the power of God in their lives to make a willing, eyes-open choice to turn away from Jesus. And that's not you. So Paul's journey ended with the understanding that God doesn't condemn you for the actions of your flesh. This seems to be a paradox, and a lot of people have trouble with it, but it's true. And that is this. Unrighteous actions from your flesh. The devil's influence upon your flesh does not change you from being righteous by the blood of Jesus to being unrighteous. It doesn't do it. Now again, if your righteousness was of you, then your actions would determine whether or not you were in or out. But the only action that determines whether you're in and out is simply accepting Jesus. That's the only one. Once you make that one, once you make that choice to come into the family of God, you have been made the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Now, some people have trouble when you make statements like that, too, because they think it gives people a license to sin. They think, well, if you make it that easy and that sure and that absolute, then people will use that as a license to sin. Well folks let me tell you something. In those thirty six years I found that people sinned with or without a license. <laughs> and that's just the fact. So why should we turn away from the truth of the word? Because some people that are looking for a reason to justify their sin anyway are going to misuse the truth. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to stay in this place of feeling or sensing myself to be unworthy just because some people may misinterpret or misuse the truth. Amen? Now, there's one last thing. Turn with me over to uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the comforter. Let's start uh, uh, start in verse 7. It said, Nevertheless, Jesus is talking to his disciples on the night that he's betrayed. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is, it is expedient. The word expedient means better or helpful. It is expedient. It's better for you that I go away. Now, I'm sure that was hard for the disciples to hear because I'm sure they could not imagine anything to be better than spending the time with Jesus and watching the miracles and so forth. But Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is better for you, expedient, better, that I, may, that I go away For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. He's saying it's better in the day that we're living in than the days that the disciples lived in when Jesus walked on the earth. But how many times do people, we may be tempted ourselves, come to the place where we say, oh, if only we'd been alive when Jesus was here. Jesus said it's better now. It's better now. The Comforter being here that does the same work that Jesus did is necessary helpful better for us than if we'd been one of the 12 walking around with Jesus and seeing with our eyes the things that the Bible tells us nevertheless I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter will not come to you but if I depart I will send him unto you and when he has come notice verse 8 and when he has come he will reprove the world the word reprove means convict bring unto conviction. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, put those three things together. Here's what the Holy Ghost will convict us of. We might even say it this way. Here's what the Holy Ghost will bear witness in our hearts to. Sin and righteousness and judgment. See, if we go back to the illustration of the guy that was speeding, the judge rightly sentenced him. He rightly judged him. God is a God of justice. God can't look away from sin. If he could look away from sin, then he would have excused man without Jesus coming to the earth and dying on the cross. But he can't do that because he's a God of justice. Sin had to be paid for, Adam's sin had to be paid for. The wages of sin is death. Somebody had to die. If Jesus hadn't died in your place and in mine, then that means we would be subject to death, spiritual death, eternal death, because the price would still have to be paid. God is so merciful that even those that died before Jesus, that had respect unto God and respect unto the law of Moses, were kept in a holding place called paradise until Jesus could come, finish the work, and take them first with him into heaven. God doesn't want anybody to die. But somebody had to die because of Adam's sin. That was Jesus. So when the Holy Ghost has come, the Comforter has come. Thank God he's come now. He will convict the world. He will bear witness to three things. Sin, and righteousness, and judgment. Now you tell me, which of those three does the church world focus on the most? Sin and or judgment, in my thinking got to be a reason got to be an explanation notice what jesus said about him convicting the world of these things when he has come he will convict or reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me now what does that have to do with the church not a stinking thing because you do believe on him you can't get into the family of god you can't be a part of the body of christ without believing on him so why concern concern yourself with sin the Holy Ghost did not in witness with your heart about sin other than if you miss it to repent and get things right with God. Restore fellowship, not relationship. Big difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship is like the marriage contract. You know you're married whether you're getting along with your husband or your wife or not. The relationship isn't broken because one of them does something stupid and offends the other one. The relationship is intact. Maybe fellowship isn't. You're going to restore fellowship in a marriage you're going to have to work things out between the two of you so that you're no longer offended that's what confession of sin does for us with god he doesn't excuse it but he forgives it so jesus said the holy ghost will do three works or one work of reproving or convicting in three different areas of sin because they believe not on me verse 10 of righteousness because i go unto my father and you see me no more So Jesus is telling the disciples, I know you don't want me to go, but it's better for you to go because if I don't go, you can't be righteous. Think about what that means. That means your righteousness before God, which is designed and intended to give you confidence to stand before him without any sense of guilt or sin or shame or anything else. Just as Paul said, there is no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. God's not mad at you because you miss it. He knows you missed it from your flesh and not from your heart of righteousness he's talking about the Holy Ghost Jesus is talking about the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost will convict or impress upon or bear witness to the children of God about righteousness because he went to the Father how many of you believe Jesus died on the cross how many of you believe that he was raised from the dead How many of you believe he's gone to the Father and seated at his right hand? Then notice what Jesus says the Holy Ghost will do, the work that the Holy Ghost will do in you, or is intended to do, intends to do, was designed to do, and that is to bear witness with your spirit, your heart, the real you on the inside, not the outside, not the outer man, the, the one that's tainted by the residue of sin in the flesh, but the inside, the real you, will be convicted that you are righteous. Is that what you spend your time meditating on? Is that what you spend your time meditating on? Are you yielding to the Spirit of God, bearing witness to the fact that you're righteous? The last one he said, in judgment, here's the third work of the Holy Spirit, of judgment, verse 11, because the prince of this world is judged. Notice he did not say because man is judged. He's talking about the devil. Because the devil is judged. Sentence has been passed on the devil. So much of the church is worried about sentence being passed upon them when the reality is the work of Jesus passed judgment on the devil. And that's the reason Jesus said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 54 says No weapons formed against you shall prosper. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority over all the work of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Folks, I believe with all my heart the greater understanding we get of righteousness, I don't mean just tearing it from the outside, I mean getting it down on the inside. Coming to the place where we know that we know that we know that we know that we know. When righteousness becomes bigger in us, than any of the things the devil has been lying to us about. We step into a place of authority where we do the works of Jesus. One thing I wish the book of Romans told us is how long it took Paul to come to the understanding of Romans 8.1. How long did it take him to come to the place to understand that there's no condemnation even when he's doing the wrong thing? Because from the inside, he always wants to do the right thing. How long did that take for him? Maybe it's better we don't know. Maybe he handled it quickly and we'd come under condemnation because it's taken us longer. I'm sure the devil would find some way to try to twist it and turn it against us. But the important truth is this. There is no condemnation to you. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter how many times you've fallen in it, The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again each time. It does not say a righteous man doesn't fall. See, the stumbling and falling is not the issue. It's getting back up again, that is. Amen? You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And nothing the devil can do can change that. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: Now, what is this being born again about? Well, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, Spirit-filled lives through God's Word.